I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by public relations expert and the CEO and founder of A-Game PR, Anita Chatterjee. Stay tuned. Trust. It's the premise of this show, and garnering trust, cultivating it and developing it among the concentric circles around you, is simply sacred. It's the essence of relationship development, and especially when it comes to PR and media, trust can make the roughest edges that much smoother, or in the wrong framing, can in a flash make even the most innocuous item go, well, you know. So how do you create trustworthy megaphones with both speed and patience in an increasingly digital world? For brands, for personalities, for influencers and public figures, controlling the narrative and presenting human authenticity needs expertise. And it was so great to talk with someone who really knows what they're doing in Anita Chatterjee. Anita is the founder and CEO of A-Game Public Relations, where she's worked with celebrities, business leaders, venture capital firms, and brands to help amplify their work. Some of her clients include Payal Kadakia of Class Pass, Rohan Oza from ABC's Shark Tank, and recording artist Neo. She's also had previous experience running PR campaigns for a number of celebrities. And as a female founder and South Asian American, she's framed her passion for communications and public relations into entrepreneurship and success. We talked about her journey and how she cultivates trust, and we started our conversation about lessons she's learned from the pandemic and the impact on her work. Well, I mean, the biggest thing is um, being in PR, you have to be sensitive to the climate at all times. Um, And that's something that you've got to remind all of your clients that, you know, this pandemic is bigger than all of us. And um, if you're going to be in the conversation, it's going to relate to the pandemic. So this year, a lot of our focus has been on having um, a lot of the founders and entrepreneurs that we work with, um, and even some of the celebrities go on TV and either share their inspiration or their expertise. Um, One of my clients, uh, Kavu Ventures, their co-founder, Rohan Oza, who is also a a judge on Shark Tank, um, you know, we had him go on Good Morning America, where he shared tips um, with entrepreneurs on how to navigate navigate through, um, you know, this new, this new world that we're living in. Um, And we've had various kind of entrepreneurs share that type of expertise, because it's important to be in the conversation, you're not putting out stories, without obviously talking about a pandemic that's impacting all of us. So just kind of really being relevant in the conversation has been a big part of, of what we're doing. And then also, yeah, shifting. I mean, there was a time where traveling was a very big part of, of what I do and what my team does. We're constantly um, going to studios or going, you know, t- to meet our clients face to face, because there's nothing better than that face to face interaction. But now, obviously, everything from doing media um, opportunities to chatting with clients, you know, tra- transferred over to Zoom. So like the rest of the world, we've had to lean into digital um, and learn how to how to do that effectively. Tell me one thing. I mean, is there, especially because this has sort of flattened a little bit of the cultural landscape and in, in making it so relatable to everyone, either through like the creativity that you experience in a, in a, uh, home environment or the um, even sort of idea that like, hey, we're all in this together. Um, have you had to find some balance between what's relatable and sort of what's aspirational 
when it comes to public relations? Yeah, you know, it's all, I think everything in general, it's like you have aspirations, but if you want to do PR well or, or the right way, it's all about what relates to the public. At the end of the day, if you're going to put yourself out there, it's all about informing the public. And I think that's what, you know, clients need to realize, like messaging is important. Um, but first and foremost, if you want to get your message out there, and if you want to be an inspirational figure, um, you always have to serve the public by giving them what they want. So yeah, that, that's been a very big part of, of the process. And, and for you personally, has there been, obviously there's been shifts for all of us, but what kind of lessons maybe have, um, have you been able to sort of take away from going through all of this, especially with what you do? You, you realize what you, there's certain things that I thought had to be done a certain way. And then when you have to work um, in the capacity that you're in now, which I'm sure all, you know, all different industries are feeling this way, you realize, well, you know, maybe I actually didn't have to travel that much. Right. You know, we're communicating and we're doing it over Zoom and um, I'm getting my clients into the press. And, you know, there are a few different obstacles that we're, we're, we're facing because, of course, you know, it's different when everybody's in the office and, um, you know, they have set hours. It's a lot easier to interact with people, like knowing when journalists will, will be in, um, you know, to talk about stories or um, even, you know, when, when they're regular office hours. And now everybody's kind of thrown off. So, um, you know, communication has been a bit harder. But, um, yeah, I think it's just learning that you have to pivot. You know, mm -hmm. things like this will continuously happen. But, um, you know, as the world changes, you need to pivot and you need to take everything with a grain of salt. And you can't expect the worst always in the beginning. I think when the pandemic first hit, um, you know, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, are you concerned about your business and things like that? And, you know, everything they said that would happen, a majority of the things didn't happen. So um, I think it's important not to worry about things, especially if you're unsure, it's just kind of, you know, be smart, um, kind of, for me, I have to follow the news and see what's going on. And then also just speak with all of my clients and see, you know, what's going on with them and what best serves them to move forward. Sort of a lesson in confidence building and, and sort of self-assuredness, I would imagine. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and I wonder, because of that, has, the, has it been more difficult or in some ways even um, just a change in how you set boundaries around time and, and relationship development with clients or relationship development with the public? Have those boundaries blurred between sort of the, the personal and the professional in, in some ways? Or has it been actually even uh, a better lesson in, in keeping to so, sort of those boundaries and, and allowing them to, to blossom? It's a bit harder. Like I said, I think this goes for all of us and not just in, in our industry that yeah. when you're at home and you're not in the office, it's kind of very hard to kind of cut things off. But at the end of the day, I'm an entrepreneur. And with being an entrepreneur, you you never are kind of checked out. Um, so in that sense, things have not changed for me. I mean, I'm always kind of thinking about work. Um, if something comes up, I do have people calling me after hours. It's just the nature of what I do as an entrepreneur. So sure. in that sense, the whole blurred lines, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't shut off. Um, you know, because you can't, and that's, that's a sacrifice you make when you, um, when you found your own company that you're, you're kind of on 24 hours and you have to kind of figure out how to make it more of a lifestyle. So in that sense, no, it, it actually has not changed. Does it take a different type of person or a particular type of person to help embrace that? Because, you know, for so many people, they, they may struggle with that actually on a day-to-day -day basis of how to like keep those, um, that blur sort of in a, in a balanced or even sweet spot sort of state. I 
think so. In terms of how I live life with being an entrepreneur and treating what I do as a lifestyle and understanding this is not a nine to five thing, like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I have to consistently keep on my mind. Um, I think that's something that to have that mindset, I mean, people like that are the types of people who could be entrepreneurs, right? Because if you're the type of person who really needs, and you know, it's not saying that I never shut down. um, But if you're the type of person who just really kind of wants to be in and out and not kind of have that responsibility on your mind, then entrepreneurship is not for you. I think anybody who kind of goes into the field of entrepreneurship has to realize, well, you know, you can't ever really shut off work as much as you try as much as you say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going on vacation, there's, there's no real truth to that. So yeah, it, it does take a certain, um, you know, type of person who can handle that, that pressure, honestly, of, um, and when I say pressure, it's like, the pressure is there, but learning how to live your life, knowing that your career is always kind of woven into into everything that you do. Right. Let me ask you this, because I think that for many, even like thinking about how this works and sort of like the day-to-day to this, I think, I guess it's not just a how, but but why has public relations and, and public affairs been sort of a passion and a pathway for you? You know, it's, it's interesting. It's just, um, I think ever since, I mean, I can remember, I've always had a natural passion of promoting and endorsing organizations or people um, that, I, that I believed in. If I had a friend, who wanted to pursue a career path, I would do everything I could to try to get them out there, introduce them to the right people, come up with ideas for them. Um, and I did that very organically. I mean, um, you know, I, I was always, I, I studied the field of communications in undergrad and graduate school. So this is something that, you know, I naturally was interested in. I did that though, thinking that I was going to go to law school eventually, because, you know, my parents being South Asian were like, okay, you know, go into the medical field. If not, you know, the yeah. law field uh, industry is great. But, you know, I obviously followed my passion. And, and that was the thing. It was my passion. You know, I, I like doing it. So I kept naturally falling into things, you know, getting into internships that excited me and doing what I wanted to do. Um, one of my clients, she's the founder of ClassPass, um, you know, which is, you know, a company that's, that's done great. Um, it's a, it's a unicorn, as a unicorn and you know she's a female founder has built a billion dollar business and she always is a great advocate of you know follow your passion um eventually they'll they'll help you get to where where things are so i was always naturally doing it um so it only made sense that i fell into it i mean i, I never thought that i actually honestly would have a full-time career in pr i always thought that i'd eventually go into law school or maybe even actually just settle in media because i did early on in my career work at places like, you know, at CNBC and production houses. Right. So I thought that's where I would settle in. But the truth is my passion led me to where what I, I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Well, and and does because you're so passionate about it, because you enjoy it, because facilitating and promoting is something that comes natural to you, does it make it so that the the how part of it and the ability to do that on a day-to-day basis becomes that's much, that much more simplified. Obviously, there's a lot of rigor and hard work that goes into it. But because of that passion, has that been able to make the how part of it that much easier? Oh, definitely. You, you can't you can't get into a career like public relations unless you are extremely passionate about it, because it's a very high stress, um, you know, career path. At the end of the day, you're fighting to get your 
um, you know, your your uh, clients message out to the public. And the truth is, you know, it's, it's hard to do that. The media world is, is big, we can't control the media. But all we could do is, you know, is write to the media and talk to the media and kind of help them understand the impact that our clients are making. And, you know, you don't always get a yes, and you don't always get them into the New York Times, but you have to keep trying. So that type of vigor for fighting for, um, you know, a brand, or, um, you know, even like an individual, um, it, it takes a lot of work. So you have to love it, um, because you have to deal with the stress. And, um, you know, it's, it's emotional, you're basically it's very sent for anybody who has built their own company, or even for you, if you've built your own practice, you, you put so much into it, um, you know, you're going to get emotional when you're trying to kind of share that messaging out. Yeah. There's so much investment that goes into, you know, it and, and you really, especially when you feel very strongly and about something, it, it sort of becomes your baby, right? You, you really care for it. And, and it is an emotional roller coaster. But I would I would wonder that because of what you're talking about, which really spells so much like resiliency and persistence and, and really sort of determination with that, is that something you sort of always grew up doing? Like you, you were that person who was just, hey, you're, you're no matter what the obstacle, you're going to keep persisting and you're going to keep challenging yourself to be able to make that achievement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why I've gotten my clients to, to the places they've had. I mean, um, you know, I've been doing this for years now and certain people, like I mentioned Rohan Oza, um, you know, the co-founder of Kavu, he's been my client for years. And when he started with me, he, he never did any press. He had the track record, but, you know, he was under the radar and um, I had to really kind of strategically work to introduce him to the public. And now if you Google him, he's everywhere. He was on national television and that takes resilience. You know, it took a lot of time, a lot of patience. And, um, you know, it's always you have to have that attitude where like, that, you know, we're going to do this. It's like a do or die type of yeah. attitude to to make things happen. It's a hard process. I guess um, with that, uh, when something doesn't go so right. How do you maybe take those lessons and, and then translate it? Because I imagine that like anybody, there have been certain things where you're like, okay, hey, listen, that was a wrong turn. How do you pivot quickly? And that's the thing, though. You have to pivot. And I, I try to make all the clients realize that. I mean, like I mentioned before, because people have built um, their careers, you know, PR is very sensitive to them. Like when the media doesn't accept things, sometimes they can't handle it. And what I try to explain to them is like, listen, they, you know, they may not be ready for it now, but they'll be ready for it later. And you have to pivot. And that's when we re-strategize and we're like, okay, well, this story is not sticking, but what is sticking? What can we get out there? Or, you know, do we need to do a strategic partnership that will amplify what we're trying to do or, or kind of make more sense of it? And, and, and that's the thing we, you know, if it doesn't work out, I, I don't say, okay, well, I'm not, I don't automatically assume, well, this is never going to work out, but I've got to figure out how to get there. Especially in today's almost disposable age of digital media, how has the evolution sort of been reframed now? You know, especially when the audience is faceless, when it's blurred, when, when there's a, a, a narrative that has to be told, but to a you know, kind of undefined group of people? Well, it is defined in the sense that, um, you know, obviously certain media outlets, they all have demographics that follow them. So when we book a talent on a show 
or if we know that an outlet is, is writing something, um, you know, about a client or an organization or a new announcement that there are, there is a readership and we, we understand the demographic of that readership. But then, as you said, you know, with, with the internet and everything that's out there, um, there's so many other eyeballs on it. So I think right. the biggest thing is, is to kind of understand, well, what is the messaging that you want to get out there? And um, it has to resonate with the public and definitely kind of, sh you know, showcase um, the the impact that you're making. But, um, you know, you're going to get all types of feedback. And, and that's the other thing. You need to listen to what people are saying, the comments um, that you are, are receiving from an article or, um, you know, is are the social media numbers going up after a story comes out? Um, you know, a lot of that is kind of listening to the type of feedback that you're getting. Um, and then also just understanding, you know, the, the outlets that you're speaking at. And, you know, some of it is, is that, but then a big part of it also is just, you know, when you're sharing your story in the beginning, you know, it's not always about the feedback that you get right away, but it's also just for people to understand you better. So a story might come out and maybe you won't get a lot of feedback right away, but, you know, people are still reading it. If it's, if it's on the internet, um, if it's in a media publication, people are reading it and it's helping you kind of build your, um, your story. And eventually you will get bigger hits um, that a bigger audience will read. But in the beginning, it also might just be, you know, putting out stories. So if someone's going to Google you, they'll get an understanding of who you are. And so in a world that's so fast paced is that patience and the ability for it to marinate a little bit. Is that really the sort of success or is that one of the strategies to particularly long-term success, whether that's a pile with Classic Pass or Rohanoza? Absolutely. I mean, none of this happened overnight. Um, and I, I say that to everybody who comes along. I think especially when it comes to personal profile building, that's a very long process. Um, you know, it, it takes almost kind of a few years to kind of build that out nicely. Um, you know, with brands, it could be a little different, um, especially since, you know, they, they're consistently having announcements and there's growth and things like that. But um, yeah, it, it does take time for, for um, especially a person's profile to, um, you know, to, to, for, for a person to turn into a household name, which is what we pride ourselves in doing. So yes, it, it definitely takes time. And I imagine that for you, as someone who has to curate that, there's a lot of handholding involved to say, look, there, there really does need to be a long game in mind, along with sort of the, the short term success as well. Absolutely. And I mean, at the end of the day, we're the experts. So if you want to um, reach your goals, you got to listen to, um, you know, to your PR team. We, we know what we're doing. We've worked with the media for a long time. And, um, you know, we, we emphasize that to people. We're very transparent on, you know, this is kind of the state of things and this is how long it's going to take. Tell me one thing, why, especially in a world where we're, beco we're becoming much, much more aware and much better at synthesizing how important it is to be inclusive, why is strategy and intention so important, particularly and especially to support women and um, people of color? The idea of magnifying this, you know, making sure that those who are vulnerable or in, in any case, really making sure that, that if there's an effort to amplify these, it's done with a lot of intention and it's done with a lot of strategy. And, you know, how, how can you reflect on that a little bit? Um, based kind of what we were talking about early on in the conversation when you were asking me about the pandemic, um, and I mentioned, well, you have to be sensitive to the climate, right? 
So you may have a message that you want to share, but it might not be the right time to share it. I'm mm-hmm. um, not saying that, you know, the, the message is like a good, it's not, you know, criticizing the message in any way, but there's always a right time, um, you know, to, to share something with the public. And um, I think that's where strategy comes into play. If you want to be effective, you have to be like, well, what, what is a conversation? What is a dialogue? And how do I fit into it? Because like I said, from the beginning, if you want to be impactful, well, you're, you're going to have to give the public something they need. So that's where strategy comes into play. Um, also, you know, for, for people to understand you well, um, you know, you also need to kind of make sure if, if there's a launch that's coming out six months from now, there's no point in talking about it early on. So that's where you have to work with your PR team and be like, okay, well, you know, for it to make sense, we need to talk about a launch when the when the product is out in the market and people can buy it. So little things like that make a big difference for a business or a person. And, and that's why strategy is important to make sure um, that, you know, everything of, is of high impact and it's not a one-off announcement. I've had influencers on, on the show who've talked about like how it's so vital and important to amplify not only their own story, but that of people of color and South Asian women in, in particular. With that, I mean, is is there a element of just like, hey, get as much count content out there as possible because this is the moment and this is, you know, in the last year or so, we've seen so much of that um, get magnified or or is there some intentionality to the, the patients that we talked about also? I think right now is a time to really get your story out there because it's all about, you know, what makes you, I don't know if unique is a word, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, there's still not enough, you know, women of color or um, just female founders out there. And in putting your story out there, it's, it's inspiring others. And I think the media recognizes that. So now is the time. I mean, you know, you're not going to, the media also wants to kind of keep kind of bringing to surface what's new and, um, you know, what's who's kind of making it. Um, in a world where they're the minority. And so that story has been relevant and, you know, it's still very relevant now. So yeah, that is is very important to kind of get it out there. I think it also inspires a lot of people. What inspiration are you getting in some ways from, from your clients, especially in, in thinking about that exact cause? Uh, um, Are there, you know, does, is there very much a, a relationship that gets fueled by, some of the things that you see out there and and sometimes from those who aren't your necessarily your clients. I mean, how, do, how does that inspiration for you translate into activity? Um, well, I mean, I'm fortunate where I work with people who are, you know, disrupting the world and, and making an impact because I learn from them every day. I mean, that's kind of the benefit of my business. I'm working very closely with high profile people who've gotten to where they are um, because they're doing extraordinary things to um, to, to make a, a change in this world. And, um, you know, I learn from them every day. And, and that, you know, if you look at my business, um, you know, I, I, ha- I do focus on three different sectors, which is I work with a lot of brands um, and within brands, a lot of them are tech companies, venture firms, and then celebrities when they when they dive into um, the business world. But another thing you'll notice is I focus quite heavily on female founders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a lot of female founders on my roster. Um, it's something where, you know, if you follow me, you, you, you'll often hear me, you know, hashtag or you see me hashtag the future is female. Um, and that inspiration I've gotten from the female founders and the women in business that I've worked with. Um, so, you know, the idea and the importance of, um, you know, women being in the conversation um, and um, just also kind of 
having the independence that they that they need. Um, I've seen the benefit of that um, by working with a lot of the women that I work with. And that's a reflection on my business. Um, another thing is that, you know, I've seen how, um, you know, building the brands of people like Rohan Oza or Pyle Kadakia, how that's impacted, you know, my own community, right? Like I've seen so many South Asians, um, you know, message us about them and want to invite them to events and it's kind of created an excitement. So, you know, I've also made it a point to, you um, also try to, you know, profile, um, you know, not just South Asians, but people from different cultural backgrounds, because yeah. um, I see the importance of that. So yeah, that obviously, you know, reflects in, in what I do day to day. And I'm very lucky that I work with a lot of profound business leaders. Um, and I'm able to kind of take away from from how they operate. You know, and, and as a South Asian woman yourself, thinking about how much success has has happened and how much you're doing to amplify it, not only for your own personal business, for the clients that you have with you and those you're inspired by, what work still needs to be done now to continue to accelerate and advance that kind of development and opportunity? And and, and how do we sort of dismantle barriers even more or disrupt kind of the, the status quo even more? Um, I think for the South Asian community, it's it's great because you kind of see how we're now rising in different fields. Um, I think, you know, early on, like in like the early 2000s, when I, you know, I would even tell my friends who are South Asian that I was going into media because of the way they were brought up, I could tell that they were even like, oh, well, you know, are you still considering law school? Or, you know, they'd make comments because yeah. they were still uneasy because, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, for a while, our community has done really well by focusing on, um, you know, career paths that offered stability. And, um, you know, a lot of our parents came here through, you know, educational routes, right? Like they, they came to this country to help in the medical field and, and they rose that way. So they wanted the same for their children. So um, and at that time, we didn't see a lot of South Asians, you know, in media or in different sectors. Um, so the idea of us actually making it in other sectors, it was, it was a bit more, um, it, it looked a bit riskier, but Right. You know, now it's organically happening with a new generation because um, working in PR, I understand the impact of, you know, when you watch something on TV, how that inspires you or makes you believe that you can do it as well. So yeah. I do think that's organically happening. Um, I think just as a community, though, we need to encourage people to follow their passion more because, mm -hmm. you know, we can do it. I, I think, you know, there's a way to follow your passion and still be pragmatic and, um, you know, and, and do things the right way. Like if you want to, you know, get into media, you know, do it properly major in it, um, do internships, do what you have to do to, to make it there. You're someone whose business uh, relies upon the idea of trust. And you've been able to cultivate this, you know, so much in, in the pathway that you've described and all the sort of success that you've had and your clients have had. But let me ask you this as sort of a way to cap this off. What, what makes you entrustable? How do you cultivate trust with your your clients with yourself for that matter in in your day-to-day -day. it's you know it's, it's it's hard because you know like i said we can't we don't we can't control the media but um i believe in my clients um i'm very strategic I'm hands on and, you know, I, I, I regularly stay in touch with them and I'm transparent at the end of the day, you know, I, we update our clients on what's going on in the media and what we need to do. And um, it's like, you know, we're, we're creative too, where it's not just, you know, we're pitching to the press, but, you know, we're, we're helping them reach their goals by, um, you know, securing partnerships. I work with the software engineering school with no upfront tuition and they were trying to get more African-American applicants. So, 
I knew that they needed a bit more fuel to to make that happen and to share that with the the press. So I introduced them to the Grammy Award winning singer Neo, who I do some work with too on like his tech and business deals. And I got him to invest and join the board of trustees of the school. And you know that happened, and of course it was all over the press. Um, and their African American applicants went up fifty percent. So kind of like going take going that extra mile and. Um, just constantly being creative and hands-on and being there for them and um, having that engagement is kind of what's helped them get to know me and my team better um, and build that trust, you know, and that's why I've had clients for years, um, which is, is kind of a rarity in our field, right? Like right. a lot of times you kind of switch over from one firm to the next, but, you know, there's a lot of clients who I could happily say have just kind of, you know, been in my orbit for a few years now. And um, yeah, you know, we, we've built that trust over time. Well, Anita, it's been terrific to to chat with you, and you know that level of engagement and so much relationship development is is really to be celebrated and, and congratulated. Thank you so much for joining us today, and yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much, Anita. And indeed, the future is female. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you might be listening, and you can find me on social media at my good friend. As the loving dad of a new 18-year-old, time flies. So as fast as the world turns, I'm so grateful for the moments that make us pause and celebrate. Happy birthday, Tai. Love you. Till next time, I'm Abhaydarnika. Because every story told is a lesson learned. Because every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhaydarnika, and I share stories about South Asian people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hear it every Monday, Tuesday on Ruckus Avenue Radio or wherever you get your podcast. This is a Ruckus Avenue public service announcement. Hi, I'm Kayla and I'm fighting for the 1.2 million people affected by blood cancers each year. I'm a candidate for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Students of the Year campaign and lead a team of high school students determined to do our part in finding a cure, new treatments, and help those affected by blood cancer. But we can't do it alone. We need your help. Please consider a donation by visiting our website at lls-bb.com. Thank you for tuning in to Ruckus Avenue Radio. Change begins with you. Activate your listening.